0: I want to bring you some great news. Our Lord is risen. It means we live with hope. We live with confidence. It's a great thing. A couple other things I want to share with you as well. As you know, we're trying to make 2021 our finest hour of giving. To date, you have given almost $1.5 million, which is amazing. And... Um, our church leadership met, and as you know, we're going to build Pakala Home, fund ministry, but we also want to give at least 10% back into our community. So we have agreed that we are going to complete the funding, about $175,000 worth for the homeless shelter that's being constructed for Sumter United Ministries, and in 2022, we are going to commit to building a home with Habitat for Humanity. So thank you for being this kind of church. You are great. Now, uh, we're launching a new series today called Decide or Default. And this series is based on this simple idea that either you will decide to develop your soul or the decision will default to someone else. Now, the reason that we're doing this series is because you are responsible for your soul's development. You're responsible for your spiritual health. And you need to be aware of it. And there are some key decisions that every person has to make, like, who's going to influence you? Who is going to be your group of people? Are you going to choose to Heal the wounds in your soul, or are you going to stay a victim? Are you going to choose to be disciplined? What's the purpose of your life? So, over the next several weeks, we're going to answer these questions and give you some tools, some resources, so that you can begin thinking about it. Now, the first question we want to address is really the pivotal one, and on it, all the other questions revolve. It's this question Will I be curious? Well, I'd be curious. Let me tell you why this matters. Most of us have a negative view of curiosity. We have a saying, curiosity killed the... Yeah, see, you all know that. Maybe you remember reading the books about Curious George, that little monkey who always was curious and then would get in trouble. And so we tend to think curiosity is a bad thing. But God actually made you to be curious. He designed you that way. You have an innate desire to understand. That's why when a tragedy occurs, you say, why did this happen? That's why you wanna learn, you wanna understand. Now, maybe you don't wanna understand everything, but here's what I know about you. There are parts of your life you really would like to understand, you'd like to make sense of. Now, unfortunately, some of you grew up in churches where you were discouraged from asking questions. You were told, or you were taught, don't ask questions. When something was hard to understand, somebody may have told you, well, you just need to believe it by faith and not ask too many questions. But I want you to know that in the Bible, over and over, people actually ask God questions. People ask Jesus questions. He responds. And what's really interesting, when you look at the Easter story, On Easter Sunday morning, there are three spiritually curious people who show up at Jesus' tomb, and they have a lot to teach us about being curious. Let me introduce you to them. The first one is John. John wrote first, second, third John Revelation, and he wrote a gospel. Anybody want to guess the name of that gospel, the gospel of? John, right. In that gospel, he always refers to himself as the beloved disciple. It was uh, a way that he was able to refer to himself without actually giving his name. It was a technique of humility. The second curious person we're gonna talk about today is a guy named Peter. You'll remember Peter is the leader of the disciples. He's a man's man, a fisherman. He's also the guy that denied Jesus three times. And then we're gonna look at Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, we don't know as much about her, but we do know that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. So if you have a Bible open to John chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 1 through 18, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, and I want you to see these three curious people on Easter Sunday morning. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's John. And said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running... One at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said, don't hold on to me for I've not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So let's start with John. Mary goes to the tomb, stones roll back, nobody in the tomb she runs to the disciples finds peter and john and says the tomb is empty i can't find jesus's body and so peter and john begin to run toward the tomb now john we are told by tradition was the youngest disciple which meant he could run faster than old peter and so he gets there first, and then Peter gets there. But I want you not to miss something real important when it comes to being spiritually curious. They went to see for themselves. You need to see for yourself. There are a lot of people who want to take charge of your spiritual life. A lot of people who want to tell you what's healthy for you, what's good for you, This is not a job you can delegate out to someone else. This is something you have to decide for yourself. That's why it's important for you to read the Bible yourself, for you to pray yourself, for you to take responsibility for your own soul. Learn, ask questions, be spiritually curious. And maybe your experience will be like John's. We're told that Peter goes in first and he's looking around, then John he goes in, he looks, he sees the linen, in verse 8. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Maybe you're like John and you have this moment where it just all clicks. That's what happens to John. He goes in, he remembers Jesus said something about he would be crucified, he'd rise on the third day, and all of a sudden it comes together for John. He sees and believes. This is the experience of a lot of people who grew up in church, right? I mean, you've always known the songs. You've always heard the story of Jesus. You've always heard that Jesus loves you. And and so it's easy, that step of faith. You believe. You believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. You believe that God has done something miraculous and that you should be part of it. Maybe, Maybe it happened for you in VBS. Vacation Bible School and the teacher explained it to you and it was just as natural natural as breathing Maybe when the pastor was preaching one time you just really got it. Maybe it was during a revival one of those old Experiences maybe it was at youth camp and they had a fire and they were singing songs and your heart was seized faith came easy for you Be grateful I had a friend of mine who was preaching a series of messages about human emotional difficulties. And he came to the topic of abuse. And it was a very powerful sermon. A lot of people were moved and began to get in touch with their abuse. And it felt like that's what everybody in church was talking about. The next Sunday, a lady came up to him after the service and said, pastor, in my Sunday school class today, it seemed like everybody was talking about being abused. And pastor, I've never been abused. Should I feel guilty about that? The pastor looked at her and said, no, be grateful. Be grateful that that wasn't your experience. If faith comes easy to you, be grateful. But also, let me warn you about a temptation. Remember, John's writing this. And so John says, I went in, I saw, I believed. But then he gives us this little clue in verse 9. They, means both he and Peter, still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. John is saying, hey, back then I believed, but I didn't understand everything. I believed I didn't know what it all meant. So what does the resurrection mean? The resurrection means that Jesus is who he said he was. He is not just a good teacher, he is the son of God, the king of kings, the one who is righteous, pure, who can forgive sins. John doesn't understand all of that. I was eight years old when I professed my faith in Christ. I didn't understand everything. You know, I, I didn't understand. I, they, they, they had taught us about the virgin birth at eight years old. I, I didn't know what a virgin was. Did you? I hope not. See, John still has a next step. We talk about that a lot. That... We believe everybody's got a next step. You always have a next step. John has got to figure out what this resurrection means for him and how it will change his life. And if faith comes easy to you, it is way too tempting to believe, hey, I believe, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, that's all there is. I grew up hearing sermons like that where that was the main focus. You need to get saved. You need to be sanctified or be French fried. And so we would get saved so we didn't go to hell. And then nobody told us the next step is you got to follow Jesus every day of your life. And so there's a next step for you. Maybe it is to know Jesus better. Maybe it's to know community deeper to grow your character stronger, to go share more abundantly, you've got a next step. Now, maybe you're not like John at all. Maybe you're like Peter. Peter, the leader of the disciples, fisherman, man's man, he goes with John. He goes in, he sees the same things that John sees. It just doesn't happen for him. He just doesn't make the connections. In fact, we're told in in verse 10 after they go into the tomb, then the disciples went back to where they were staying. And I don't know, I can just imagine this conversation going on between Peter and John as they go back. John's saying, Hey, I I think Jesus has risen from the dead. Don't you remember? He told us that. And Peter's going, Man, I just don't know. I'm not sure. Why is Peter struggling to believe? Well, remember, Peter, Peter had denied Jesus. Peter had said three times, I don't know him. First time he said, I don't know him. The second time somebody said, hey, you are the... With him, I remember, no, no, it wasn't me. And the third time when they say, yeah, we know that you were with him, your accent betrays you, Peter started cussing like the fisherman he was. You ever heard a fisherman cuss? You ever been the fisherman that cusses? That's Peter. Jesus' resurrection is not good news for him. Because if I'm Peter... If Jesus is resurrected, I am scared of my first meeting with him. I am scared the first thing Jesus is going to do, if he's resurrected, is look at me and say, told you. How do you feel when somebody tells you that? Told you. Told you. How do you feel when somebody nails you on your failure? Failure. Tell you what I know about guilt. Guilt has a dance partner called shame. And shame and guilt do this weird dance in your soul. It can become this self centering experience where you believe you're the exception, that what you have done is so terrible, it can't be forgiven. Guilt can block grace. Guilt and shame makes you afraid to be spiritually curious. Maybe you're like Peter. Maybe there's things in your past you just really wish you could forget. Maybe there are things that you just, you you try to block out of your mind, but every time you hear one of these messages about how God loves you and there's grace, you, you can't help but process it as it's for everybody except me. There are still these these huge things in the past that control you. Well, here's what I want you to know. If you have a little voice in your head that says the good news is for everybody else but you, that voice is lying. It's not telling you the truth. If I had been there that day, and I would have really liked to have been there that day. I, I would have grabbed onto Peter and said, "Don't rush off. You need to stay here for a little while. Hang out for a while. "Hey, Peter, if you hang out for a while, you're going to get to see an angel." In fact, two of them. You've never seen those before. "Hey, hey, Peter, hang out. Jesus is going to come around the corner in just a minute. And listen, Peter, when Jesus comes around the corner, he's not going to look at you and say, told you. He's going to look at you and say, Peter. You're going to look into his face, and you are going to see grace and forgiveness. Some of you remember the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, when I was growing up and I heard that song, I thought things of earth referred to things like money and possessions, they'll grow dim. But as I've gotten older, I realize what it's really talking about. It means all those failures, all those sins, they grow dim in the light of his grace. Wouldn't you like to be set free from some of your failures, your sins? Places where you've let people down? So if you're like Peter and you struggle with something in the past, if you struggle with this whole idea of grace and forgiveness, I want to I grab hold of your arm and say, hang out for a while. Hang out, just keep coming back. You keep coming back and you're going to find out that There is nothing in this church but messed up people. There's nobody who's got it put together. There's nobody who's got it all figured out. We all have stuff. That's why I believe church needs to be a place of grace. Be curious enough to hang around until you find out that church is a place of grace. Now I know some of you have been to churches that were not places of grace, and I'm sorry. Because I believe this is the one place on the planet where we ought to be able to be honest with each other and just confess that we're messed up. Just confess that we we, we don't have it all together. In fact, if you have ever messed up in your life, if you have ever screwed up, if you have ever sinned, would you just raise your hand for a minute? See, see, you're among friends. And if you didn't raise your hand, you are messed up. (laughs) But it's a place of grace, we're glad you're here. I remember several years ago talking with a woman who, she had some stuff in her past. And she said, I can't believe God loves someone like me. And she didn't say it in a hopeful way, like, I can't believe God loves someone like me. It was more like, I really can't believe God loves someone like me. And before I could say anything, she said, so every day, my spiritual adventure is to get up and say, okay, God, I can't believe you love someone like me. So today I'm looking, I'm looking. Show me, show me you love me. And I said I, I said, I bet most days you find out that he does. And she said, every day. If you're like Peter, hang out with Jesus and find out he really does love you. Now, maybe Peter's story is not your story. Maybe John's story is not your story. Maybe you're like Mary. Jesus drove seven demons out of her. We do not know all of what that meant for Mary. We don't know what the demons were. Uh, There is an old story that Mary was a prostitute, but that story dates to about 567 AD. So it's, it's not really in the Bible. It's not historically accurate. But here's what I think we can surmise. If you have seven demons inside of you, you've had some trauma. You've had some trauma. I mean, that much evil taking control of your life leaves some scars. And maybe you can relate. Maybe there is something in your life you feel like it's got control of you. Maybe it's poverty. You feel like you are stuck in an economic situation, you can't escape it. Maybe it is an addiction. You feel powerless over it. Maybe you feel hopeless about your marriage. Like, is it ever gonna get better? Maybe you feel hopeless about one of your kids. Maybe it is something in the past. Maybe there's something in your past and you say, I just, oh, I had that abuse in the past, I just don't know that I can ever heal. Maybe you have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And let me just say, for everybody who kind of blows that off and says, well, if they just were tough enough, they wouldn't be bothered. No, PTSD is real. I think Mary's got it. And then Mary met Jesus. And Jesus cast those seven demons out. And all of a sudden, Mary felt hope. She felt love. She felt forgiven. She felt grace. Now do you understand why Mary loves Jesus? Why Mary worships Jesus? Why, why Mary really does want Jesus to know that she values him. And now you realize why Mary, at the foot of the cross, because we are told that there's some women who are there with John. Nobody else is there. All the disciples have left, but it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, a couple of other women. Mary Magdalene is watching Jesus being crucified. It could trigger her trauma again all over again. And I don't know this for sure, but it's it's possible that Mary thought, if Jesus dies, does that mean the demons come back? Some of you know that fear. Some of you know what it's like to live in the fear that, all right, I've made it through today, but I'm not sure about tomorrow. You know, trauma can paralyze your curiosity. It can make you just turn inward. And then there's this amazing scene. So the three of them are at the tomb. John goes in, sees and believes. Peter goes in, he's just kind of, I don't know. And and Peter and John just leave. They just leave. Mary's still there. And Mary's crying, and she looks in the tomb, And there's something real important here. In the Bible, when people see angels, they are always afraid, always afraid. Mary looks in, sees two angels, one at the head of the the place where Jesus laid, one at the foot, and she is not terrorized. Why? She's traumatized. It's blinded. Our scholars always wonder, why doesn't Mary recognize the angels? Why does she not recognize Jesus? I get this. You can be so flooded by something, by an emotion, by an anxiety, that you really are, you, you don't see what you're seeing. Yesterday I decided I'd cook breakfast because my family's here. So we got some eggs. I'm cracking the eggs. I'm putting them in the frying pan. I cracked an egg. I put it in the milk carton, back in the egg carton. <laughs> and I understood why. Because, I mean, Easter is like the Super Bowl for preachers, Right? I wanted to live a, deliver a good message, my mind was on the message and on you, and on thinking about really wanting to connect, so I, I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing, I'm putting eggs back in the egg carton, partly. So, so I, you know, I kinda take out the other eggs and I just pour that egg into the frying pan, that would be for my daughter's fiance. And so <laughs> I put that back in, and I, you know, I go and I crack another egg, And then my mind gets back on my son. I did it again. I cracked an egg, put it back in the egg carton. That was for my (laughs) son-in-law. I understand why Mary can't recognize angels and Jesus. And if you think about it, it's actually kind of funny. Here's Mary looking in the tomb. Angels are saying, why are you crying? Because this is not supposed to be a day you cry, Mary. Mary. And Mary's going, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they put him. And the way John tells it, and and John must have had Mary's account of this. It was the only way he would have known. The angels are looking at Mary, but over Mary's shoulder, there's Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And I don't know what Jesus did. Maybe he went, and Mary turns around, doesn't recognize it's Jesus. And says, Lord, uh, thinking he's a gardener, he says, they've taken my Lord away. I don't know where they put him. If you have stolen his body, tell me, I'll go get it. Now now, just pause, think about that for a minute. You got little old Mary going to haul a dead body back to the tomb, drag it, and then Jesus says her name. Jesus said to her, Mary. And all of a sudden it clicks. And, and she lifts up and it's like all of her trauma is wiped away and she cries out I." John thought this was so important he didn't even translate it from Aramaic. He, he gave us the word Rabbani which means teacher. That's what she called him. If I could give you anything today, I would wanna give you this experience the experience of having Jesus call your name. So what does it mean when Jesus calls your name? It means that he knows you. It means, it means that Jesus not only knows you, but he knows you better than you know you. He knows what you need. He knows the struggles of your life. He knows the grace you need, the forgiveness you need, the peace you need. So be curious enough to listen for your name. Because I think Jesus wants to call your name today. Now just like John faced a temptation to just sort of not go further with his next step, Mary faces a temptation. Mary's temptation is found in verses 17 and 18. Apparently she holds on to Jesus some of you know what that's like. You've had that experience and, and you've had experience with Jesus. You just don't want it to end. But Jesus says to Mary, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And he told, she told them everything that he had said to her. You are what Jesus is telling everybody? What well, he's telling us? Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. Don't just stay in a spiritual experience. Every spiritual experience you have is for a purpose. That's why you need to be spiritual curious. When something happens in your life and you say, that was lucky, no, you were blessed. You need to ask why. Why were you blessed? Was it to bless somebody else? Are you like Mary and you need to run and tell? And listen, you don't have to understand everything about Jesus to run and tell. Knowing everything is not needed to tell someone about meeting Jesus. Sometimes people say, I'm afraid to talk to people about Jesus because I'm afraid they'll ask me a question, I won't know the answer. So let me just kind of help you with this. If you talk to somebody about Jesus and they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, you look them in the eye and you say, I don't know the answer, but I know I met Jesus. But there's something else here that's important too. You don't have to know everything to worship Jesus, to give your life to him. You just have to be curious. You just have to say, okay, Lord, I put my life in your hands and I'm gonna follow, and where are we gonna go next? Where are we gonna go next? So this Easter, I wanna leave you with a question, will you be curious? Will you be curious? If you're like John, be curious about your next step. My fear is some of you have gotten a little too settled. In your faith walk? And God has a message for you and you might not want to hear it because there's a next step involved and you're afraid of it. Be curious about it. Maybe you're like Peter and you think, "Ah, I've done some bad things. I'm not sure this is for me. I think it's for good people. Hey, be curious enough to hang around. Come back next week and the week after that. We'll prove to you that there are no perfect people here. And you can join us on our journey with Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's already clicked today and you need to accept Jesus as your savior. I wanna encourage you to take that step. Or maybe you're just like Mary. You got a lot of trauma going on, a lot of pain. You just need to know that someone cares. Someone will pray with you. I've told you I wish I could have been there that morning. Because I I think if I had been there that morning and I had seen Peter and John leave the tomb and I would have seen Mary run by me, I think I would have turned the corner and then I would have gotten to see Jesus. And I, I think, I don't know, but I think if I had seen Jesus that day, I think Jesus would have looked at me and he would have said, Clay. And when he called my name, I would have known a love Deeper and more profound than any I've ever known. Now, I wasn't there that day, but here's what I know. Because of that day, I know for a fact I am loved, and you are too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these three curious people, for the resurrection of Jesus. I pray for people who are like John, who believe, but they've got a next step. Show it to them this morning. I pray, Father, for people like Peter who are really struggling with guilt. Father, help them to know there is grace, forgiveness, peace, love. And I pray for people like Mary, dealing with a lot of trauma. They need your peace. And Father, would you please provide that to them? Help each of us hear our name called this Easter. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.